Good morning. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, and this morning with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor. And uh, Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department all wrapped up into one convenient package. We can help you fix it. We can help you keep it safe. And uh, regardless, you're in good hands here on Everyday Tech. And coming up today, there's lots of fun stuff in the news. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie is uh, is broken a bunch of records uh, in its first week. And uh, I guess uh, maybe if it didn't beat Sonic to the theaters, maybe it just wanted to dunk on it by breaking all of its records as soon as it came out. I don't know. Uh, Sony, uh, speaking of that, has uh, reached a deal with Raspberry Pi. And we'll talk about what they reached a, bill, a deal with them about. Uh, here in just a minute. PC sales have plunged by a third over the last quarter. What is up with that? And why do you think that is? And part of it has to do with not a lack of uh, you know equipment and parts and uh, processors and things like that, uh, like has been the issue the last couple of years through COVID and all this kind of thing like that. Uh, it's actually demand that's gone down. And I don't know if that's cause and effect uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, what do you think about that? 877-MPB-RING. Uh, the, uh, uh, the FTC fined a supplement maker for hijacking their Amazon reviews. And no, it's, it was not the uh, Haribo gummy worms. And uh, YouTube has revealed its initial NFL Sunday ticket price. Uh, and then there's uh, news on Tesla and Apple. Uh, we've got your emails and and much, much more. 877-MPB-RING is the number, 877-672-7464. And you can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. But first, Jeremy, good morning to you. It's been a couple weeks since we've talked. How you been? Hey, good morning, Jay. Things are uh, things are going pretty well. Just banged my head into my microphone. I'm thinking <laughs> I got that headset on. Uh, yeah, I'm working on a uh, a laptop repair right now. Uh, finishing up a, uh, a power jack replacement, uh, our computer fell and plugged in, and it broke the jack. So just had to put a new one in. But yeah, man, I've I've been uh, really busy lately, um, doing things by appointment only on on campus. Uh, uh, I'm so spread thin for time. I've kind of been keeping a secret this uh, this whole year, um, but since we've kind of hit the halfway point now i think i can go ahead and say it um me and lisa are gonna have a baby oh congratulations yeah thank you um we uh we know it's gonna be a boy and uh he should be here around the end of august beginning of september and uh this is this is my first child uh so i'm really uh really excited but um you thought she was busy Man, <laughs> I really did. And then, you know, I had a pregnant wife and uh, pregnancies hit her like a ton of bricks. So it's been really tough on her. So, um, yeah, I've just been burning the candle at both ends and uh, doing doing pretty good at it. I mean, I haven't lost my mind yet. I just, <laughs> just got to, you know, stay on top of things um, as best I can. Um, but, yeah, there's been a few people I've had to let down because I was like, I'm just not going to be able to get to these repairs. I, got a pregnant wife now that's the worst but also being able to get to that point in your professional career where you're okay with saying no to people man that's a whole thing right there brother that's a whole it really that's does. a whole turning point in life for adults it really does feel good because when you reach that point where you can be selective you're like i don't i don't have to you know pray every day for the work to come in like i used to have yeah. to do and, well, for a lot uh, of people, it's that, getting over you know, the the thought that you might be letting somebody down. I don't know. You get to a certain part in your life, and then you're like, "Well, we all let everybody down anyway, all the time." So I don't even. You care know, anymore. the thing about that is, is I'm so hard on myself, <laughs> right? That it's it's all in my head most of the time. I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't get your computer to you. You know, I had a lot going on. Oh no, it's no problem. Oh, you know, nothing going on for the last couple of days." So usually, people are really, really understanding about it, but. um yeah, I'm still trying to turn things around overnight. I do a lot of uh, fixing right here in my living room now. I'll be watching TV with Lisa, you know, so I can have time with the wife and uh, get things done as yeah. well. 
Well, been once that baby comes, she'll probably balance. she'll probably keep an overnight window open for you too. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, yeah, she's uh, she's already having her uh, her sleepless nights, so mine are soon to come. Well, congratulations, man! Life's been moving fast for you these last few years, but that's a great thing. Yes, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I've wanted to be a dad for a long time, and uh, to finally reach this point, like you know, the point of no return, like, uh Oh, it's no longer, it's yeah. no longer a decision I can make. Um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting, but, uh, yeah. So, um, I do want to, uh, start getting into baby tech, but I didn't want to do it too prematurely. Like why are we playing with baby tech all of a sudden? That's right. Uh, so I'm not quite ready to dig into that topic yet, but yeah, eventually I'd have been like, why is he to... trying to look at all these like monitors and video right, cams? Right. And... And, oh man, that's my whole life now. <laughs> right. Looking at cribs, monitors. Uh, we did get the nursery painted and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just one, one thing after another, man. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, well, you know, like you know, the, the oldest of my children is 13 now. So like baby monitor systems, like I, I'm 97 generations ago when it was, you know, bad AM radio sounding over the air antenna feeds from one to another that you had to make sure you didn't get backwards for heaven's sake. And now, you know, you got Bluetooth and everything else. I mean, you know, it's 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 an entirely different world. You got video cameras. It's easy to, to do and all this kind of stuff anyway. Yeah, and so I am. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty adamant about not having any like cloud connected technology um, monitoring the baby. Amen. I. I just. You know. I've. I've heard too many. Too many stories, and I mean, you know, I'm always on top of my security and whatnot. But the best way to be on top of it is to just not even have to worry about it. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to the phones here. Got a first call from Hattiesburg. It's Bob here. In just a minute, we're going to get into all of our news from today, including. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie breaking a lot of records, and and some people feel like maybe even uh, I guess um, um, uh, forgiving the sins of the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie, which so many people <laughs> it was so widely panned. Uh, so we can talk about that. There's lots of other stuff going on, but let's talk to Bob in Hattiesburg. He'll start us off on the call today. Bob, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? Hey, congratulations on the new baby. I've got a, um, a situation. I just need some advice. I, I'm a like a 30-year Windows or, or PC user. Ever since Windows came out or before that with DOS and PCs, I'm just used to using PCs. And uh, I've got a, a PC right now, a Hewlett-Packard, that's about six years old. And I know that the useful life of these things is about five to seven years. And... and I'm going to get a new computer soon, and my grandson just keeps saying, you've got to get a Mac Mini. You've got to get rid of PCs. They're so much better. And, you know, you go and look at these things, and the design and and the whole concept just seems incredible. But I've used a Mac now and then, and it just takes some getting used to. Tell me, what what would I be looking at within the first four or five months of operating with a switching over totally from uh, PC to Mac, you know, u- using um, Microsoft software, you know, uh, Office software. How much of an issue is it? Um, what do I lose? What do I gain? Okay, well, first off, I'd like to expose a little secret. Um, one of the reasons... oh <laughs> One of the Uh-oh. reasons <laughs> that people say that Macs are, quote, so much better is because it is not possible to buy a subpar Mac. They are all at least mid-quality as far as processors and the amount of RAM that they put in a Mac compared to a PC where you could go to Best Buy and buy something for $250. And yes, it's not going to be a very good computer. So, you know, my first thing is I, I'm hesitant to be like, yeah, you should totally switch to Mac because if you've been using a PC for as long as you have, you're you're gonna you're, you're not gonna like the experience in most cases because it, it is widely wildly different than a PC. I mean, just in your day to day operations, it's it's just it it, it works differently. So if you're Bob, used I, to the way, I, I, I don't know how work, old Bob is, but you said you'd been at thirty years. 30-year window user, I mean, I'm speaking from experience, I'm the same way, but Bob, you're literally going to be teaching an old dog some brand new tricks. 
Right. Yes. You're going to be making new pathways in your brain that you don't want to make. And if if your aspirations are to use Microsoft Office, I mean, it's really not much different on a Mac than it is on Windows. That's by design. Uh, It would be bad for Microsoft to make a product that didn't work basically the same way across their platforms because we just kind of want things to work the same way they always have. Now, of course, there are little uh, moderate changes along the way, but overall, the the Microsoft Office suite works the same whether you're on PC or Mac. But as far as like other things uh, that you'll experience or this eye widening thing that'll happen, see in in the uh, in the 2010s. Macs were the first mass-produced machines that had solid-state drives in them, and they only used solid-state drives, like right around 2015 when they dropped those, uh, the Mac Air and the Mac Pro. uh, Those were strictly solid-state systems. I think actually it's 2012 for the MacBook Air. Uh, But yeah, they always put solid-state in it, so it always worked better, faster memory, loaded programs faster. Everything was better and faster, but PCs have cross that threshold now there is some new uh activity as far as apple developing their own silicone so it is possible for them to exceed performance metrics with what they can do on intel because they can design the silicone to work for their system and to work better for their system so i'm not going to say that it's not better it's more optimized but as far as you know the the difference between the two it's mostly aesthetic and it's not as a major game changer as it may have once been when Macs were one of the only systems that you could see with a solid state drive in it. But that's just not the case anymore. I mean, you can go and buy a laptop of windows that has a solid state drive. That's got eight to 16 gigs of Ram in it. And you should be perfectly happy with what you get, especially if you use something with a five in the processor name, like Ryzen five, Intel Core i five, uh, something in that range, your performance ought to be I, I, great. I put a solid state drive in my PC uh, a couple years ago, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there it, it was a big improvement. But uh, I don't know. I I just hear all these things about viruses and and um, no, it's, uh, it's mostly marketing and everything else. Really? It's mostly marketing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I build computers that are on par, far exceed Mac performance. I mean, it just it depends on like how much money you've got to dump into a computer. But that's not now the way that things are measured. It's just marginal improvements. I mean, we're on DDR five memory now, but do you need it for what you do? No, probably not. DDR four was good enough, and DDR three was good enough in its time. But the speeds of those memories, you know, it, they're different. They've changed. But overall, it's just marginal improvements. Like it's it's not going to be right. some earth shattering difference between one operating system and the other. I mean, I hate to burst your bubble, but uh, it's like or any Mac user's yeah. bubble, but like it's not that different. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> please call me and tell me that you disagree. That's great. Um, the thing for me is that it does change visually almost every year. So it's like, oh, well, it's like a whole new system. But do you want to learn a whole new system every year? That's not why you have your computer, no. right? No. no. All right. I appreciate it. I just got to. Now, was there any other questions that you have? Because like, I don't, you know, I don't mean to be cynical about it. I still like using Macs. I think that they have a place in the world and they're perfectly good machines for certain applications, especially music, um, anything that uses high amounts of RAM, lots of graphic designers and stuff use them. They, they depend on them because of the software that is stuck on that operating system. It's not the Mac itself. It's something like Logic or, uh, you know, a, a version of Photoshop that they like or whatever. It's not specifically the Mac, but you can get enough of that experience across platforms, except, you know, people get married to a certain program. Like, there are people that will not make music with any other program other than Logic. So there are other ways out there. There's just a lot of people that like the path that's already there. So, All right, Bob, we appreciate the, the call from Hattiesburg this morning. Note to self for future show. What's DDR mean? All right, 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. Up next is Diane in Ocean Springs. Diane, thanks for calling in. Good morning. What's, what's happening? Hey, 
Yes, uh, I changed from one carrier to a different carrier because I got a lot of buffering and took a long time for my thing, my screen to come up. So I'm thinking this, I'm not getting the service with this particular carrier, but I'm having the same problem. And I, I, I don't get a, a expensive phone. I don't get an expensive uh, a program plan. So do I need to upgrade? What do I need to do? Because I'm getting ready to make another step. What do I need to, to do? So you've kept the same carrier the whole time? No, I've changed carrier because I was thinking that carrier wasn't picking up in my area. And also I've noticed that it was always four, what, what you call it, 4G. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the five, whatever that is. Well, so that do doesn't... I need to that? Yeah, that's not necessarily a deal breaker, but it, the, the signal that you get around your house and around your part of town there in Ocean Springs, is it, is it all right with your carrier? Does it show that you have well, good I'm signal? Well, I'm in Ocean Springs, but yes. I'm in Ocean Springs now, but I'm sorry, but I I'm, I stay in Gaucher. That's where I have my problem, in Gaucher. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Gaucher, like Ocean Springs, is you know close to a bunch of highways and interstates and things like that. I, I don't know why any part of that town would have bad signal unless it's just like, I don't know, a location situation, you know, for some for some reason. I don't know why that would be. Uh, if, if for, you know, happen to be in some remote part of town or something like that, but have have you discussed this with your carrier? I have not. I, I just noticed you. I was sending my car, and I noticed you were on. I said, let me ask them the question. Okay, so generally, if you're having issues like this, you need to contact your carrier and see if there's anything that they can do on their end. Um, this can be an uphill battle, but that's really where you need to start because what you need to do is get a record of the issues that you're having with your carrier so that they can see. And the more that you call them, the more that you can get that on record. Um, I'll tell you one time I, uh, I filed a complaint with AT&T because I couldn't get service at my own house. And uh, I ended up having to go through the FCC to actually get somebody to call me back. But when they did, they said, well, look, you know, we're not uh, saying that you're not having this issue or anything. Uh, We just noticed that you haven't like had a history of calls. You've you've called once about this issue. And it's like, well, okay, but I did call you Mm -hmm. and you do acknowledge that there is an issue. So let's fix it. Um, But, yeah, you definitely want to get it on your uh, customer record that you are having problems so that when you do finally get somebody who can do something about it, you can show that you have an existing history of that problem. Um, you know, when you first call a company, you're going to talk to tier one and they're like filters that kind of help, you know, figure out who needs to restart their phone and who needs to be escalated to tier two. And then tier two does the same thing. Um, all the way up to the people that actually know how to fix your problem. So you just have to start climbing that ladder in order to see if, if they can address your issue. All right. All right, thank you. Hey, we yes, appreciate ma'am. the call, Diane. Jay. And that's that's an Jeremy. That's an interesting look at at the tier situation right there. That's an interesting look at how customer service handles those problems that come in like that. Oh yeah, it's I mean like literally they are a filter on tier one to handle the easy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then either they will deter the more difficult stuff because people will just get frustrated and hang up the phone. That's usually when they call me. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, not to, not to name drop, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it gets to that point where you reach out enough and they go, okay, we can't fix your problem, but we can escalate you to the next level and they can decide if they can do it. Yeah. And sometimes you have to, you know, you have to climb that ladder in order to actually get something done. Um, but I did want to issue a slight correction. I think I banged my head harder on my mic than I thought I did. <laughs> it was a double data rate. I don't know why I said dynamic data rate. I guess I was thinking about networking stuff. DDR stands for double data rate. Double data rate. Yeah, and basically we used to have uh, memory in single modules, but now we double that up because it gets us more speed. I was just totally memory. I was totally just testing you. That's all. Hundred <laughs> percent. I failed before right, before we go back to the phones, and I was just letting you hang. I didn't correct you or something. Uh, before we go back to the phones, I mentioned earlier that uh, YouTube's revealed its uh, initial ticket price for the NFL Sunday ticket, which it's won over 
in uh, negotiation from DirecTV, if you'll recall, that had been an, a DirecTV thing for uh, basically since its existence. But YouTubers has revealed its package prices for the NFL Sunday ticket, a range of pricing options that depend on when you make your purchase and whether or not you have YouTube TV as your uh, TV provider. Uh, the Sunday ticket package will be cheaper if you're a YouTube TV subscriber. It'll start at $249 for the base plan, $249. If you sign up during the pre-sale, which ends June 6th, it'll cover out-of-market games for the season through uh, other games, although other games will still air on YouTube TV. Adding the NFL Red Zone channel for you fantasy football freaks takes the price up to $289. It's a $40 channel. What value for them? If you miss out on the pre-sale, it's $349 for the base plan and $389 for the Sunday ticket with the Red Zone bundle. If you don't have YouTube TV, which now costs $73 per month, you'll need, oh. to, you'll eat, you'll need to add $100 to each of those prices. Uh, YouTube TV subscribers will also have the option to subscribe to only the Red Zone channel for $11 a month. That's interesting. Uh, there's no option as of yet to buy a package for an individual team or even a single game, which you can do for baseball with a single team. And single games, which you can do for, you know, like uh, British football and all, all sorts of things like that. But those options are said to be on the way, which can be a game-changing thing for the NFL and maybe professional sports, looking at you, NBA, uh, and NHL and MLS going forward. Uh, most of these options are more expensive than what DirecTV charged for the NFL Sunday ticket for the 2022 season before it lost the rights. DirecTV's base Sunday ticket plan cost 294 last year. Sunday Ticket was no longer viable for DirecTV, which was said to be losing $500 million a year on the sports package. So Google said, we got that. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Jennifer is on the road. Jennifer, thanks for hanging on for us. What's going on? Hey, can you hear me? Absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay, great. Um, I have a Lenovo laptop that's probably four or five years old. And... Um, I dropped it, well, it just nudged off a little um, laptop um, tray I had it on, and so it fell like six inches. Now, it doesn't work with just the battery. You have to use it plugged in. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is that, did something, you know, maybe just came loose and I can open it up and plug it back in, or do I need to take that to a shop? And have that. Um, I've had a model with that feature before. Or, it sounds like something something uh, got unplugged. I don't know if I would recommend you fix it yourself uh, unless you have the, the proper tools to do it. Uh, most laptops these days, you know, it's just a few screws in the bottom, uh, but you got to have something to slide between the case just to pop it up. But as far, I mean, I don't know how how often do you just take on home repairs. <laughs> Well, it's not electronic, uh, electronics that I, I work with, but um, my, my question is, being four or five years old, then, mm -hmm. I don't know how much it costs to fix something like that, and would it be better to just get a new laptop? I mean, if somebody brought that to my shop and I opened it up, I mean, I pretty much just have like a minimum charge, so I'd be like, yeah, it's 60 bucks to fix that for you. You know, just like a minimum labor charge right. so i mean it could be less if your laptop is difficult to take apart it could be more uh if it's pretty easy to take apart it, it could be less i mean it just depends on what you're dealing with but if most the, shops if the price of a new minute. laptop is not a deterrent for you it's time for a new laptop ma'am it's been five years you need yeah, to reward yeah. yourself with a new laptop jennifer on the road well, you know, I'm I, actually at the rest area right now, so I'm not driving. Okay, Jennifer, at the rest area, it's time for you to reward yourself with a new <laughs> laptop. It's been half a decade. Come on now. Well, generally, I tell people, half you know, if it's not dead, don't replace it. So if you dropped it and the battery quit working, it's just become dislodged. So it should be a pretty simple fix. So I'd say that your laptop could, if you wanted to, if you liked it enough, uh, could last a little bit longer. <laughs> I'm trying to push PC sales back up over here, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's totally up to you. Jeremy says it's easily fixable, and you can completely keep using that laptop for another five years or so. Yep. And, and I'm saying, I'm saying, throw that thing in the ocean, and let's get a new one. Don't throw it in the ocean. But I, I guess what I was trying to find out is if, if, if that's a thing that if you jiggle the battery 
connection, it could have come loose. It's not something yes. that probably just mm. broke. There yeah, might be a connection that came loose. Usually never, what it we is, never is know. Uh, if it popped loose like that, then it's probably just plugged into the board. So it's it's just a, like a plug that just slides into it. Um, it otherwise, the, the battery should be secured with multiple screws so it can't pop out. So I'm thinking it has to be something like that. All right, Jennifer. Okay. We, we appreciate well, the call this morning. I appreciate your, appreciate your help. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Jennifer used the word jiggle. On the radio, I don't think I've heard that since my mama told me to jiggle the handle when I was using the yeah, toilet. Been her hand, right? Yeah, yeah, that older model. Sometimes you got to jiggle that handle. All right, let's go back to the phones. We got uh, Craig is up next in Biloxi. Craig, thanks for calling in. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I just have a uh, comment. Uh, I heard someone was having a baby, and I used to use a uh, voice-operated radio. With little walkie-talkies as a baby monitor, and it worked really well. Very cool. Absolutely. For the tip. That's that's an easy way to do it. I wouldn't even know how to keep the how to how to keep it engaged. I guess you put a double click yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Well, Put a band around it. Yeah, you just uh, you just, you just set it on voice operated recording. Usually there's three uh, three settings that you should just set it on the low setting and set it next to the crib there and. Uh, you can walk around the house because they, they're they're quite sensitive. You can, you can test it uh, by the sensitivity. Uh, just them rolling over will set it off. Absolutely. All right. That's a great. That's right. a great tip. All right. Bye bye. All right, Craig. We appreciate it. Thanks for the call. As always, let's get right back to it. We've got uh, Gail in Long Beach. Gail, thanks for calling. What's going on? Um, I wonder if any of you guys are familiar with Glass Eye 2000, the software. I am not. Glass Eye 2000. Tell us what it does. Okay, it's a software design platform for the stained glass. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so anyway, you know, uh, some people use it. And but it's really expensive, so I was just wondering if you guys knew of a product that was similar but like was less than two hundred dollars. Uh, so generally, if, if you're looking for uh, different software, uh, you can Google the name of the software you're looking for with the word "alternative" and see if uh-huh. anybody else has uh, turned up anything else. Um, I will say I found a Reddit thread here where someone says, is GlassEye 2000 worth buying or which software is best for design? And someone says, no, it's a glorified vector art program that you need to spend $300 on to get everything a basic free image editor does. So 95% of it can be done in Inkscape or 70% of it can be done in nearly every imaging editing program that exists for free. He's a little snarky, ain't he? <laughs> Welcome to Reddit. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, no, I, that's good. Well, I tried Inkscape, but it is like there's no a book for it, and it's kind of confusing. I would recommend yeah. hitting up your buddy YouTube and seeing if there are some tutorial videos that might help you out. Absolutely. And do something like Glass Eye 2000 Alternatives. Search that in Google uh-huh. or Bing, whichever is your favorite. And like it, yeah, go to YouTube and search that same thing, Glass Eye Two Thousand Alternatives, uh, and and you'll get nothing but a ton of videos that people have done reviews. Number one, you could also search Glass Eye Two Thousand Reviews, and you can get some honest, independent reviews of that program. Um, okay. And you can also what what it is you're looking for, uh, like you know stained glass software programs. Search that in either right. one of those, and especially like Jeremy said, if you find. Uh, a Reddit thread or like, for example, I, I did a Google search the same time Jeremy did. And the first thing that the thing that he was talking about is the number one result on my Google search. And this is from a Reddit um, board called um, it's Reddit uh, R forward slash stained glass. So so right. so find the Reddit channel stained glass and you might be off to the races from there. Cool. All right, thanks, guys, for your time. All right, Gail, we appreciate the call. Absolutely, you do the same. Gail from Long Beach. Let's go all the way across to Memphis, where Gary is. No, hit the wrong button. All right, there's Gary in Memphis. Gary, good morning. What's going on? 
Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I was um, calling in to comment on uh, one of your earlier callers who was talking about switching from uh, PCs to Mac. And um, I wanted to mention that uh, he sounds like he would be about my age range. You know, I'm 60 years old, and I think everybody in that demographic, in that age group, everybody started out on PCs. Nobody started out on Macs. Right, so right. we all started out on PCs and then went to Macs, and I'm a total Mac convert now. I, you know, I love it. I never go back to PCs. Oh, man. You guys, uh, <laughs> you guys alluded to earlier, uh, you know, there's no thing as a, as a cheap Mac, as a basic Mac. And, you know, I was replacing PCs every two or three years. And sure. with Macs, they, they, you know, you, you get what you pay for. I mean, to, to me, the learning curve was small because they're intuitive. And they last longer and they're more dependable. And, you know, so I'm just saying to say to this guy, because he's been using PCs for so long, he's going to have this big learning curve. I totally disagree with that because everybody who of any age started out on PCs before they went to Macs. Only the younger generation started out on Macs. Well, I would like to uh, say that the first computer that I ever used was an Apple. Oh, wow. How about that? Um, are, you 60 years, cool. are you 60 years old? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm 36. But uh, most of my, my older That's clients my That's are, my most of my older clients that have been using an operating system like that for that long, uh, they do not want it to be so different and so confusing. I've, I've helped many older clients try to uh, transition to Mac, and they, they have a difficult time doing it. I'm not saying that it's not for some people. But uh, some people are very set in their ways, and if he liked the operating system he was on, I, I think he should stick with it. But uh, like I said, well, I, I like. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a lot of personality thing. You know, Gary may like a challenge. So when like he was, you know, posed with the challenge of learning a new operating system, it was not a big deal for him. Other folks like to stay a little bit closer to home and more what they're familiar with, and trying to teach them something new at this at this point, I could see why it wouldn't be their bag, but. Yeah, I could see how. If this guy, if, if this guy had called in, if he is, if he is inclined, he's already sound like he's inclined to learn about a man. So if, if that's his inclination already, then obviously he's up for the challenge. All right, certainly. And I don't think he, and I don't think he should be discouraged <clears throat> from doing that. I there you go. Like I discouraged him. I just feel like I leveled the playing field as far as people saying that the world between the two is so different. Um, it's really not. And I found a lot of Apple devices to be more cumbersome to use as far as like backing up data and things go. People, a lot of people don't even know how to get their pictures off of their iPhone onto their computer. Like it doesn't have to be that difficult, but everything has to be a certain way for Mac users and for Apple to do things. And that way is not always the most intuitive or the easiest for a lot of people. So I kind of help, you know, bridge that gap all the time. So speaking from my own experience in helping people learn how to use their devices, both young and old, it's a constant battle because most people just don't really understand them. Now, I'm not discouraging anyone from learning it, but there is an uphill battle that you're going to have at first against yourself because we want things to be easy and max do work differently enough that I wouldn't say that they're necessarily always intuitive. A good example of this, uh, whenever I would have an inexperienced Mac user come into my shop, uh, one of the telltale signs was that all of their icons would be stacked up on top of each other. Like you could literally see all of their icons like overlapping other icons on their desktop because they didn't know how to right click or to uh, put two button, two fingers down on the touchpad and click sort by name or whatever, but it's like things like that, they seem intuitive and they seem simple and maybe they are for you, but for most people, it just seems to go over their heads. Well, I mean, look, it, it's like, it's learning a new, a new language. That's what it is. It, it, it's learning a new language. And for some people learning a, a new language after speaking one for 30 years is not a big deal. And for others, man, that's hard to get off the ground. When you're learning a new language, because you've run everything through the filter of one language for your whole life. So, you know, it can go either way. All right, before we take our first break, how about this? The FTC has fined a supplement maker $600,000 for review hijacking Amazon listings. The Bountiful Company gamed a prominent Amazon feature to deceive customers. Nature's Bounty is 
the supplement brand. Java's shaking his head right now. He knows he's seen that. Everybody's seen that. It's the green bottles. It's the green bottles with the white labels. Uh, so the Bountiful Company it gamed Amazon reviews. For the first time, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, they find an organization for review hijacking. This is the first one of those, Jeremy. In February, the agency accused the Bountiful Company, again, the, make, the maker of Nature's Bounty brand of vitamins, of deceiving customers. Between 2020 and 21, Bountiful abused a feature of Amazon to make it seem like some of its newer supplements had higher product reviews and ratings than they did in reality. If you've ever bought something on Amazon, you've almost certainly interacted with the feature Bountiful attempted to game. Some listings include a set of icons that highlight different variations of this same product. For example, if you visit the page for Sony's popular WH-1000XM5, the feature will highlight that those headphones are available in three different colors. By design, Amazon designed this feature to be narrow. Sellers are supposed to use it to showcase that a product they offer is available in a different color, size, and quantity or flavor. Now, that's not what the Bountiful company did. According to the FTC, Bountiful used the feature to give newer products a boost from older, more well-established ones with different formulations. In one, inter, uh, in one internal email the agency obtained, Bountiful lamented that people did not love one of its new vitamins, but noted that Sales spiked the second we variated the pages, and they continue to grow. So in other words, a product that was not selling by itself, they shuffled in a drop-down menu with other products yeah. of a different name and, and purpose, essentially, and that took the sales off. Uh, although I've seen that a lot. It's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit dishonest. Uh, it's, not, it's not on the up and up so much so yeah um on monday the ftc said it voted unanimously to approve a consent order that carries a six hundred thousand dollar fine for bountiful and bars the company from employing such tactics in the future quote boosting your products by hijacking another product's ratings or reviews is a relatively new tactic but it's still plain old false advertising uh, that's according to Samuel Levine, the director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection. So that's the other thing. Not that it's dishonest, but what you do is, is you know, what I've just picked up from it is you're jacking with algorithms. You're taking a bad product and putting it under a drop-down menu of a product with high ratings, and you're you're falsifying the algorithm of the not-so-hot product, if that makes any kind of sense. Well, you have to be careful, like, when you're reading the reviews because you can look over and see that the reviews are for – a different one in the same listing. And so yeah. like, I, I would notice this a lot myself and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't what I'm looking at. This is something different. And a lot of times it would be something in the same range, you know, like a different flashlight or whatever, but sometimes it would be like a totally different product. And you're like, wait a minute, what's yeah, going on? Absolutely. And some products like when you've had different sizes or colors listed, something like that. And you hit one, you hit something different in that drop down menu. It's a whole different thing. You got to pay super close attention to that. For sure. But, uh, yeah, supplements. I guess uh, maybe their zinc wasn't hitting like they wanted it to or something like that. Magnesium. All right, let's go to Meridian. We've got Henry on the line. Henry, thanks for calling. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? Excellent, excellent. What's happening with you? Okay, I have a uh, old-style Samsung tablet, about 15 years old, and it crashed. I'm trying to uh, download files on my computer and transfer them to that tablet. What type of cable do I need to get in order to transfer the files from my computer to the tablet? Okay, hold on. You said your tablet is 15 years old? Right. What kind of tablet is this? Samsung Galaxy tablet. You're going to talk about it was going to be the Dead Sea Scrolls or something like that. That 15-year-old tablet, mercy. Galaxy <laughs> tablet, which one? It's a good reading tablet. Okay, but like, what's the, what's the model number? I don't have it in front of me. I think okay, that, yeah. so uh, it probably has a micro USB port on the bottom of it. Right. You need to Same plug the. Charge. Yeah, you need to plug that into the charge port there, and then plug the USB cable uh, end into your computer, and then um, you might have to put it in. You probably yeah, you're gonna have to mount it as a USB device, and then if this is. Uh, Windows, you're going to go to uh, this PC, and you should see it pop up in the list of uh, available drives. 
and then you can pull whatever you need to off of it. Okay, I've tried that, but I may not be using the right cable because the only thing it does is charge. Okay, so it, there is a possibility that you could have a micro USB cable that only charges your device and it doesn't have data lines. You need to get a different okay. micro USB cable. Whoa. Okay. Interesting. Those exist. Yeah, they're tricky. I, I've run into a few of those myself. Like, I'd be trying to extract data way back when, and it would not work. And I'd be like, What's I would be deal? driving myself nuts uh-huh. plugging that into everything. But you just resolve that you have a bad cable because, like, well, it charges, but it doesn't do anything. It'd be so. like, I got it plugged in. Well, I don't want it to do. Yeah, it just doesn't right. do data. <laughs> so, get a better cable. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Henry, man, we appreciate the call this morning. I don't know, man. Jeremy, maybe we could do a one-day pop-up drive to get Henry a new tablet. It's a 15-year-old Android tablet. What's he running, Windows 1? He just wants the data, I think. But, yeah, I mean, if it still works, that's great. That's incredible. How does it even turn on? I don't know, man. Batteries usually don't last that long. I know. Like, what What could work? Like, I'm thinking, like, he starts (laughs) it up and, like, the, the, the operating system are, like, uh, you know the, the you know the Google setup is like now nah, all these apps don't work, bro. We got we got to update everything here. <laughs> Running like cupcake back when back when Google had the fun dessert names for all their uh, different versions of Android. Yeah, I was trying to think of a a town in California. I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, I couldn't find the joke in time. Anyway, how about this? The Super Mario Brothers movie hit theaters last week and broke records with its release, raking in just over a hundred and forty six million dollars in the U.S. Uh, it makes it the highest grossing opening weekend for any video game based movie, knocking Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which previously held the record of 141 million. So it beat it by five, just five million. Ouch. Ouch. Sega still. Anyway, Mario has been a hit the world over with global takings already more than 377 million worldwide making it the biggest opening of the year so far. Um, Illumination and Universal's The Super Mario Brothers Movie uh, bring the beloved Nintendo game to the big screen, and the story follows Mario, voiced by Chris Pratt, and Luigi, voiced by Charlie Day, to failing plumbers from Brooklyn as they face Jack Black's Bowser. That's amazing. That's a great casting. After finding themselves somehow transported to the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, Peach rounds out the classic characters in this nostalgia-filled story, it's the video game's first movie adaptation since the widely skewered 1993 Super Mario Brothers. Uh, the newest film is available in 3D, IMAX, and other premium formats, which made up 38% of sales. Wow. So the premium theaters made up almost 40% of that $146 million. That's incredible. Uh, according to the CEO of IMAX, the Super Mario Brothers movie is the company's highest grossing animated film, making $21.6 million worldwide. Uh, it's not just animated and video game movies. It's stacked up against either Super Mario Brothers movie had the historically third highest Easter weekend sales after Batman versus Superman's $181 million and Furious 7's $161 million. So there you go. That's uh, one of your uh, tent post weekends of the year for movies. That's Easter weekend. You ever go see movies on Easter weekend? You ever wrap Easter weekend with a movie, Jeremy? Or Java? Uh, not like a theater movie, no. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a ton of money. The folks are doing they're doing the movies on Easter weekend. We've done that. And my son and I actually went and saw the, the new Mario movie. He's a Super Mario stand. Right. And... Um, it's 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 a good movie. It's a good movie if you can go and see it and see some of your childhood on the big screen. Okay, in a so as an adult, it's totally watchable. Is what you're saying in a different way. A lot of uh, Easter eggs. You know, like they have. Uh, a, this is not a spoiler, but one of the places that they go is Punch Out Pizzeria. Nice. And so, if you look on the on the wall, you'll see all of the um, super the Mike Tyson Punch Out characters yeah on the like glass and, joe and all that yes yeah. it's, it's something so if you know what you're looking at you're like hey this and then they throw yeah. little references in and so Piston it's honda Let's it's go. pretty cool it's pretty cool all right excellent so, yeah i i would hope that a movie like that would do well i mean I, I like the first video game i ever played was super mario so yeah every millennial wants to go see that movie I'm absolutely sure. i i we could do a show about this like what was the first video game that hooked you 
so like uh, I was born in the era just before Nintendo broke out. So uh, uh, mom and pop got us an Atari 2600. And we were playing Asteroids. And, you know, you go to like uh, starting with level five or six, the bullets bounce around. It's not just single shot. Uh, and, uh, like my sister's six years older than me, so she knew a little geometry and I'm just like, ah! and so she just murdered me on, I think that was combat was the name of that game. Sometimes simpler games are better. Combat. Just tanks shooting bullets at each other. That's it. Yeah. One of my just drive through a maze and hit each other with bullets on, in tanks. That's I remember all. playing uh, Atari at my aunt's house and I was like, what is this? So we hooked it up. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, of course it had the Pong and, uh, some other games similar to what you said, like yeah. Asteroid or, or... And I made the mistake of buying E.T., the extraterrestrial. You know, there's millions of carts of those that are sitting in a, in a <laughs> landfill in New Mexico. That's legit. That's a real thing. Millions of those. Oh, wow. It, it helped cause the video game crash of 83, I think it was. Anyway, I had one of those, and it was like you're playing that game as a kid, and you're like, I don't get it. And like you're like I'm, I must be like a stupid kid because none of this makes sense. No, no, no. It was the game. The game just didn't make sense. It was not you, kid. How about this? Microsoft, Jeremy, is testing away. Let's get back onto the PC for a minute. Get let's get Windows with it. Microsoft is testing a way to make the print screen button more useful. Your initial thoughts before I even read the beginning of this story. Okay. All right. So I will say, I think I was in like the, I think I was in seventh grade, the first time I needed to take a screenshot and I looked it up online and it was like, all right, just hit the print screen button. So I hit it and I was like, all right, where's my screenshot? <laughs> I hit the button. And then, you know, I realized you got to go and uh, paste it into paint because it just puts it on your, uh, on your clipboard. So I agree with this movement. This, this gives it a little more use otherwise people just push it and go what does it do it ain't doing nothing that's right there you go as you mentioned uh, tip, typically pressing the button sends a snapshot of what's on your monitor to the clipboard in the latest windows 11 insider preview builds however pressing that button launches the more versatile snipping tool instead now the snipping tool enables users to, users to capture a section of their screen rather than the entire display although that's still an option you can capture everything in a single window or just a portion of what you see thanks to the rectangular uh, rectangular, and freeform modes. Rectangular should be a word. While the, rectangles. <laughs> while the sniping tool has more utility than print screen's traditional function, power users may not benefit much from the switch. The print screen button is out of the way on most keyboards, and for many people, it may be easier to continue using the existing sniping tool shortcut, which is Windows key shift S. The Xbox game, Xbox game Bar app can instantly save a screenshot without any extra steps, though you'll still need to move your hand over to the print screen button. The shortcut combo is Windows key Alt print screen. Uh, as Beta News notes, that's a different website, those uh, who aren't happy with the change will be able to revert the print screen button's role to the same thing it's been doing for decades through their system's accessibility settings. And moreover, if you've already assigned a custom function key to the key, which you can do, Windows 11 won't automatically change that back for you. So how about that? Well, I have uh, Snagit. And when I hit the print screen button with Snagit, it will let me select which part of my screen I want to snapshot. So probably a lot of people have a program that does it or it makes it do something else. I don't really see that as like, oh, no, why are they doing this to us? They're taking away our button. Like. There's, there's other ways to, to do it. But I will say, when I discovered that button and pasting to paint, I became dangerous because that was when you could make the background look like your desktop. Yeah. So you could snapshot all of the desktop icons and then make that the desktop <laughs> and then delete the icons. So people would be clicking on them going, why wouldn't it work? Why would you do that? Right on there? Yeah, because, you know, we were just evil <laughs> that's like actually I, I you know i can't say anything because my my answering machine on my uh or my my voicemail on my cell phone i answer it like Currently, i answer a call like this is your current yeah and then <laughs> i wait a couple seconds and then go into my message so it throws people off I, I, i'm a jerk and if you wanted to keep your siblings from using the computer you could just take the ball out of the mouse <laughs> <laughs> that is evil yeah. That is evil. You know what? Uh, you know what's super satisfying with those old ma- uh, uh, mice, mouses. I don't know. Is when you uh, try to when you clean it and you haven't cleaned it for like three or four years, and all those contact spots. Like gross, disgusting. Yeah. 
All right, finally, how about this? The PC market, it's been reeling for months, and it just got worth, uh, worse. Uh, there's been uh, estimates that worldwide computer sales and shipments dropped between 29 to 33% year over year in the first quarter of 2023. Uh, that's a steeper drop than during the holidays, and this time none of the major brands escaped the worst of the downturn. Uh, uh, Hewlett-Packard, which is second place, escaped relatively lightly with just a 24% drop. E, a quarter drop, and they got out easy. Uh, Apple felt the most pain, Jeremy. How about this? With a 40% drop. Um, Dell and Lenovo all took a roughly 30% hit. And then uh, Asus, I guess, A-S-U-S, I don't know how you say that. I've had one of those laptops, and I don't even know how you say it. They took a 30% hit as well. Customers are reluctant to buy PCs in the turbulent economy where inflation is running wild currently. And the pandemic-era boom in remote work is still winding down. People either can't afford new machines or already have ones that are good enough right now. Bingo. And there's no comment on why Apple has struggled more than its peers, but it generally targets the high-end market and is vulnerable to poor economic conditions. So there you go. Uh, TechCrunch also notes that Apple's transition to in-house chips helped it avoid the tough times that Windows vendors faced in recent years, but that the honeymoon period may be over on that. Analysts are optimistic, though. Um, they believe that this is the worst drop the PC market will see this year, hopefully. Uh, while both research groups expect to see recovery as soon as the second half of this year, old computers will be due for upgrades, including Chromebooks at schools. And while businesses will update Windows 11 systems, uh, it sees the slowdown also as giving manufacturers a chance to move some production outside of China. There you go. That is interesting. All right. That will do it for us today. Stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Catch this episode of Everyday Tech wherever you download your podcasts. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10 with another episode of Everyday Tech right here on MPB Think Radio.